With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Up we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space. Sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her bearded companion, Philip Gilfus. Does that make you a detective? I think so. I think so. I assume that As that's I the way that... my yeah. chin <laughs> as such. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, we were on holiday, so we any weird uh, sound quality. We do have a, a pool outside with a fountain. So yeah, and it's not really a and fountain. We're on the third floor. It's just so. these weird spouting circular water things over into the pool. It's so Asheville. Yes, we're in it's the mountains so of North Asheville. Carolina for the week. Uh, so hip hippie hipster uh, center of the universe. The I unique think. brand of Western North Carolina, which is both. Country conservative, but hippie, libertarian, liberal. It's just this weird mishmash it is. of hippies. It's sort of two subgroups that have merged together. Hippies and mountain people who are fiercely independent, which is sort of this bleeding way of sort of libertarian, conservative, liberal, and all these things, and smashed together. And all smushed together, and we're just here for the moonshine, exactly. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we haven't had a chance. It's been a busy week getting ready, doing all our work stuff, and finally looking forward to your birthday, of course. Hooray! Now, you actually, I guess, did. I did get one Doctor Who item for your birthday. You did, yes. I got a Regenerate T-shirt. Does it say Regeneration? I don't I don't know. I've worn it twice, though, so I know. you've got I'm that going on. Days, but... And it's listing all of the Doctors in the... It's like a an acrostic poem of Doctor Who. And then we last... Uh, we didn't speak about it last time, but uh, it was a new month, so what would we Oh, do? yeah, and we got the Mr. Man series of... Doctor Eight. Doctor Eight, yes. Which I wondered what they were going to do, being there's not a lot to choose from, and they, they went to a weird... Not a weird direction, but I was like, okay. They sort of went... I've never seen this series. It's a third Doctor series, The Sea Devils. But they sort of put The Sea Devils and the, what, quote-unquote, New Who Silurians, and then, which we watched recently with the Matt yeah. Smith, and sort of put them together, and the Eighth Doctor sort of having to solve their bickering... Yeah. Between the sea devil and slurs. So it was cute. Yeah. They basically, what they did was just made stuff up. Yeah. So Which is what you do with it. I can get doctor. behind that. I can get behind that. Right. So the actors from Doctor Who are, of course, involved in many other acting projects. You can't throw a rock in England without hitting another actor, I suspect. Uh, but there is one British television drama that serves as a guidepost of what to expect from Chris Chibnall and Jodie Whittaker's new Doctor Who series. 
Broad Church was created and written by Chibnall and features several Who alumni, including Jodie Whittaker. This three-series crime drama features David Tennant and Olivia Colman in the lead, with a variety of colorful characters populating the fictional seaside broad church. And to uh, talk about this great series, we actually have a broad church fan with us, and that is Lindsay coming from Edinburgh today. Lindsay, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Cool. Well, first things first, sort of, when when did you watch Broad Church? Was it like when it first aired, or did you... Catch, we like we caught it up on Netflix on on this side just recently, but how how'd you come to it? Um, so I came to it not quite as it aired. Um, I think I probably watched it on um, ITV Catch Up. So just after it had mm. finished, I think I binged the whole thing within the space of a day or two. Now what we did is we watched the first series together, <laughs> oh, God, and the second <laughs> series together, and then you know life happened. So I think the third series hadn't come out by then on Netflix, and so we waited a month or two. You know this great activity we were doing as a couple, and then just one day I come home and my wife just has this sort of guilty look on her <laughs> that she sort of escapes the whole evening, and then finally out with it. I watch series three without you, so unforgivable. In my- Oh, well, in my, don't say that. In my defense, Philip did not enjoy the second season. Okay. And so I thought he was done with it. <sighs> yes. And he, you know what I'm done with, Jessica? <laughs> I suspect we'll, we'll come to uh, different feelings about the different seasons, I think. You know. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But then we did go back and watch the third season together. She's like, I totally don't know who did it. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. Could be anyone. <laughs> well, um, there's obviously a lot to talk about, but I, I, sort of the biggest way to, we're approaching, you know, not talking about specifically Doctor Who, but Chris Chibnall obviously is going to be the showrunner for this new series of Doctor Who. And you knew everything as, is, as sometimes these showrunner transitions go, which we haven't seen since uh Moffat took over from Davies. Um, so sort of with the third administration of New Who, I thought this would be a good taste of what, you know, we might see, especially with all these Who alumni and, and what he might bring to the table as showrunner and head writer. And so it's hard to talk about Chibnall because obviously he's not an actor and you just the feel of it and, and the stories that they tell. So just, you know, Lindsay, what, what was sort of your overall feelings about series three and why you think you enjoy it so much? Um, so in terms of the, the three series, the first is absolutely my favourite. Um, I think it was a beautifully cast ensemble piece that was incredibly well written. Um, I love a murder mystery. I love a bit of a police procedural drama. Um, and I love anything that's angsty and a little bit kind of difficult. Um, <laughs> and that's not particularly novel necessarily, particularly I think on British TV. I think it's something that we do very well and we've been doing for a long time. Um, especially with that um, cast full of faces that you recognise from other places. Um, But season one was just such a breath of fresh air. It was so different somehow and so beautifully shot and so phenomenally acted that it was just, it was Mm. such such a a lovely thing to see. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to get to talk much about Olivia Colman because she, of course, just does a guest stint on Doctor Who. But... Boy, I think she's amazing. Yeah, she absolutely stole the show. Um, David Tennant is David Tennant, and we'll come to that. But Olivia Coleman was spectacular, and I'm also really looking forward to seeing her as Elizabeth II. Yes, very much so. Yeah, because she's got so much of a comedy background, you mm. know, Peep Show and things like that. Seeing her in this role just took my breath away. Um, it was very yeah, much think- the first time I'd seen her, I think. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and boy, that woman can cry. Anytime you need it. They're just big old crocodile tears. I was, yeah, I'm impressed. There's there's a, I don't know if you remember, when we watched the Five-ish Doctors reboot, the sort of, you know, with the old Doctors mm. special, there's like a five seconds at the beginning where she's sitting with Sean, Pertwee, oh, yes, John's son, yeah. and she, she's saying something like, am I in this? I'm in bloody everything. And I mean, that's sort of... <laughs> yeah. She is very much the flavor of the moment, I think, but with good reason. Yeah. I think she is yeah. absolutely sort of the... the that generation's perhaps equivalent of Helen Mirren or that kind of, you know, we're going to see her blossom and grow. Um, and that's wonderful. Yeah, yes. that, that's why I'm almost yeah. in some ways feel like she was wasted as a Doctor Who. I mean, good, she did it well, but, you know, with the, the 11th hour playing Prisoner Zero, I mean, like, it's Olivia Colman. Like, it's never she, too late, like though. This... They come back. No, yeah. they come absolutely. Back. Absolutely. That's true, yeah. It's not like we've never used actors more than once in Doctor Who yeah. for roles. Wouldn't she To make... include actual doctors. I think she'd make a fantastic <laughs> doctor at some point as well. Or maybe the new... Well, nothing against Michelle Gomez, but maybe even a Missy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm still holding out for Maggie Smith, but we'll move on. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Although I want Michelle Gomez to come back. Exactly. So. <laughs> Also, what about you, Jessica? What did you? What's sort of the overall series? Overall, I, I I agree with Lindsay. You do have this sort of dark and brooding, which, you, as you say, you've had since the Bronte sisters <laughs> set their stage on the moors, kind of thing. You know, um, it does have this dark overtone to it, um, which I think will be interesting. You know, the the secrets that lie behind a small town. Um, so I assume that they're going to stop shooting Doctor Who in Wales and move to <laughs> oh, the, the, the cliffs. And, uh, yes. You never know, but that, was... that life beneath is really key, I think. That kind of nothing is as it seems. Yes, yeah. Everything seems idyllic in this picturesque seaside town, but... Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, if it plays out. In in who? Hmm. Yeah, I thought the the thing that I enjoy. Sorry, I, just, I know it's probably obvious where it was shot, but I was like, you got, got, this is my. I'm going to be the stupid American here. I'm like, oh, it's not a real place. When I was looking up on Wikipedia, Broad like, Church. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because it's. I forget where it's shot. I'd have to look over, but it's where Chimnall grew up. Is actually where it's okay. shot, and I don't know. Someone would Google. I don't know <laughs> which anyway. side, or you know. But anyway, it was interesting why uh, Dorset. Oh, okay. The yeah, Jurassic Coast. Sense. Yeah. So it's, um, which is more, mostly where it's shot in Dorset. But anyway, I, I think what, especially with this, the new series coming up, what, what little we know, that it's sort of the, the family and the TARDIS, you know, the, the multi, the three companions, which we haven't seen. Multi-generational. Since, right. But which we haven't seen almost since the fifth Doctor, sort of that large of a companion group, you know, then, then the challenge is, okay, well, can they get all these characters going? And I think with Chibnall, when you look at Broadchurch, I mean, he's bouncing so many characters and making them all interesting. Yeah, doing so much with all of them. So yeah. Keeping those balls a, in the air. Yeah, it's a really big comparison. But for me, Chris Chibnall mm. has that beautiful touch that J.K. Rowling has, which is the ability to use a massive cast or a massive um, ensemble of characters. And for you genuinely to believe in all of them, it doesn't matter whether they're there for two scenes, a couple of lines, they're just all very three-dimensional. Um, it's a rare talent, and it's something that I'm really hoping you bring to Doctor Who. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. For instance, everybody's still mad about Cedric dying in the Quidditch match. <laughs> um, you, know. you know what? My Hashtag favorite spoiler, sorry. is Hufflepuff doesn't have a lot of representation. J.K. Rowling allows you to believe in them. She gives you just yes. enough. Yeah. Who's your favorite character? I've not. Oh, Minerva McGonagall. Hands down. Okay. I don't think that's. Yeah, it's not a second. Oh, yeah. No, well, she, she's, she's probably not in the top 10 for most people. Um, but uh-huh. you get enough. Absolutely, to to build kind of. Well, as yeah, an as an adult, that. it's hard for me to. I mean, obviously, I enjoy the characters. It's hard for me to be like, yeah, I'm with the you know the kids or the you know you, you have to look to the adults. I think once I or at least I do once I get to a certain age, you know. So so it's like I don't mind looking at some of the professors now because it's like you know it'd be weird to cosplay or at least for me to cosplay in as as Harry Potter and be like I'm one of the kids. I'm like no, I'm. Clearly not. <laughs> You'd have to wear short pants. <laughs> unless unless I'm doing thing. like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child and I'm playing yeah. that, you know, that's about. I was a little closer in age, unfortunately, so I, I, I was a bit of a standout when I uh, declared that the tender age of like, yeah. 13 or 14. Oh, yeah, no. Because <laughs> I'm actually wearing my Harry Potter pajama pants right Aww. now. You are indeed. Uh, there's a dearth of Slytherin uh, merchandise. I just want to point that out. Gryffindor, Gryffindor. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, yeah, we can run the bloody shit. Anyway, so um, <laughs> let's, let's get into some specific actors. Um, so Jodie Whittaker, obviously, the 13th Doctor, who plays Beth Latimer um, in the three series. And it was, I guess, the challenge watching, not in a good way, of Broadchurch was like, you know, you had the first series, and you're like, well, where do you go from there? And then you have the second series, which is logical. I, in my, in my opinion, kind of get a bit of a mess, because you sort of have the trial story, which... Is fine in as much as it is. Um, I mean, it's frustrating, but I guess that's what it's meant to be. And then, but then you have sort of this flashback series to the to you know the David Tennant or to the mm-hmm. D.I. Hardys, and so you sort of have these parallel cases going. And that's to me, it was it was a little much um, to get invested. That was just me. Um, but then you, then the third series, because then you're like, okay, first series, second series, we've sort of done the same murder of of the child. Where do you go from there? And then sort of you have this independent story, which is fine, in the third series. And so then why not a fourth series? No, I'm kidding. But anyway, but as far as <laughs> Beth Latimer, her, her uh, evolution from, you know, mother, morning mother to morning mother in second series as well. And then third series sort of moving on, starting a new Coming life. Coming into her own. Yeah, I think it's a nice character arc. So, but Lindsay, what do you think of uh, Jodie's portrayal? Had you seen Jodie before? Um, or was no, this again, this was this was kind of the first thing. And to be brutally honest, in the first season, she wasn't a massive standout to me. Um, mm. It wasn't that she was bad at all; she was very good. But so was everybody. Just played her role. There was there was yeah. nobody who I looked and went, "What are you, what are you doing in this?" Um, mm. But what I found is she and her character, I think, are probably the most well developed over that arc, or certainly one of the most well developed. Um, I think. Her portrayal in the second season uh, series is uh, spectacular, and I think for me that's when she comes into her own. Mm. Um, much like you, yeah, I think they struggle a little bit with those three different kind of versions of of Broadchurch. Um, for me, by the time we got to season three, it was very well done, and I think they challenged, they took uh, a really difficult topic to talk about, and they did that in a sensitive and a, in a very kind of profound way. But equally, it felt a bit more like other shows it didn't feel so mm. much like that original Broadchurch special to me um mm. but yes no i think she definitely she improves over time and i really like her in that second in that second season i think she's really fabulous there mm. anything that jessica thinking that, that uh, i mean obviously every actor doesn't play their previous role obviously obviously <laughs> but i mean anything you saw in jody that that made you look forward to her as the 13th doctor again i think just the the way as an actor she 
towed that line, you know. I mean, as you say, in the first series, mostly what she's doing is being a grieving mother, which can get a little wet after a while. Um, but towing that line and then becoming stronger in the second one and and still grieving, but also st- then using that to explore you know, what that means in her marriage and what that means in her career and all of those sorts of finding her new normal. Um, and it's a tough line to straddle, I think. There's a very believable strength to her character, I think. She's flawed. Mm. She doesn't find it easy. There are moments of conflict and it's not a straight line progression. Um, and part of that is obviously Chris Chibnall, um, but she plays yes. it very well. Yeah. I'm always yeah. picturing whether Chris, you know, when he's however he does his story plotting, but I'm just pretend it's on a whiteboard for a second. If he had, you know, whether it's post-it notes or whatever, but he sort of has like on top, like a line of the phases of grief. Cause different characters move differently. Cause obviously your husband like never gets past the second or third stage. Yeah. Um, but to have her move along, you know, depending on the episode or series of where she is in sort of the stages of grief, you know, anger and then, you know, da da da. And, yeah. and moving back to one stage mm-hmm. after you think you're out of it. And mm-hmm. so many yeah. of the characters in that show are going on that same journey in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're grieving for different things, whether it is the loss of, a career and a family or whether it's um, the loss of the trust of that relationship there are so many kind of interwoven kind of patterns of grief and loss um, and this yes. being broad church every one of us will be revealing a secret somehow throughout this podcast oh that okay. casts suspicion on us <laughs> okay <laughs> yes we've all enough. got dark different lives somewhere <laughs> tucked away on the internet Abs- <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Because I think the thing, not knowing Jody from anything else, um, I've, there's a clip I don't always show Jessica. Of course, it's only a clip of when she was in Medea. Antigone. Antigone, sorry. Antigone with Christopher Eccleston. Oh, okay. Which would just be, oh. It's yeah, on YouTube. It's just, I mean, it's one of her, I'm sure, the famous speeches or monologues in that, um, Antigone. And so, but it's sort of interesting to see her sort of playing that role. Mm, but also, I think, a good role for her. I mean, again, that Antigone has so much depth to it as well. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, yeah, just showing that she obviously, like you said, the the, the morning mother um, can be sort of a, a trope, not in a bad way, but just as a defined role, but that she does bring so much to it. It definitely, like, when you hear, like, oh, if that's all you know her from, you're like, that's the new doctor. You're like, yeah, okay, well, she, she's, yeah, all right, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and I think a little bit of a switch because her morning mother and what's his name it completely escapes me the her hud the guy who plays her husband Mr. his Latimer. role as as mourning husband they're almost switched he's the one who can't move on um and that's not necessarily the norm you, you normally see the mother who completely loses it and can't put the pieces back together but in this he's the one who is right. really struggling and even though i mean he his journey is also really fascinating to watch he can't get past it in a way that her strength allows her to do. And again, Chris Chibnall, yeah. I think, works with those tropes really well. There's several of them in Broadchurch where there's just enough of a twist. You know, whether mm. it's the, the newspaper editor who won't do anything or whether it's uh, the vicar who is a young guy who's just trying to do his job well for his community. Or, you know, there's there's enough of these twists that's what brings that, that lightness and that freshness to what is... Not mm. a, like I said, a, a particularly new genre piece. Yes. Well, because I think, and this is coming from an American standpoint, but where we live is a very American rural setting. Um, different, but the character is the same. Small town, 
everyone knows each other, blah, blah, blah. You know, and so the British equivalent, you know, obviously is Roger Urch here. Um, but to have that sort of, you know, everyday, I mean, assuming you don't live in the big city, but, you know, sort of having that everyday feel. And so you have these tropes. Oh, we know that character. We know that character. But then sort of having this incident, which seems like, oh, that could have happened here. Or this is how these people would react. I think is always the power of that. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how Chris Chibnall takes the traditional Doctor Who tropes and puts a puts a little twist on them. And obviously he's been involved in Torchwood as well, so we know that he enjoys mm-hmm. and relishes the ability to kind of go a little bit off-piste. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I did fail to give a bit of a Chibnall backstory, for, I guess, for those who are interested. So um, he doesn't, and I don't know, maybe just Wikipedia and Edith doesn't cover a lot. Per se, he doesn't have a lot of credits, but what he does have is a lot, or is, you know, is very much. Um, I'm forgetting one series he did, but anyway, he basically started out, he may have done something before this, but he basically was run, head writer, more or less. I mean, obviously, Russell Davies was was creator and, and executive producer of Torchwood, but basically, he credits Chris for basically steamrolling or Torchwood uh, series one and two. Um, and doing shepherding that through, and then he did not was not there for Children of Earth, or obviously Miracle Day. Um, <laughs> well, we'll just ignore yeah. those two, I think. Exactly. <laughs> well, that yeah, I, I've grown to not dislike Children of Earth as much. Uh, it just makes Day me cry. I love Yanto too much. I can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But anyway, and then of course he's you know written had Doctor Who. Um, that'll be a look into the TARDIS library later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so you know it's, it is one of the things like you're almost like oh where these people come from, and you're like suddenly look at credits like oh well he's been you know writing doctor who so like i don't think people didn't know who moffat was but like oh who's this moffat taking like well he's been writing half the series so you know it's it's in good hands and so i think you know chris chimmel obviously is no stranger to doctor who especially just being a doctor who nerd fan as well in his own right the the nature of the internet has allowed people perhaps who are not traditionally quite so uh nerdy as some of us um to know more about who's writing things and who's behind them because they have more Mm. of a presence um, and the same is true with Star Trek. You know, the Star Trek writers' room has a presence on Twitter, and that's oh, yeah, something uh, actual Twitter handle. Yeah, I know, I know, it's so exciting. <laughs> um, but it's something that historically they wouldn't have had, and you know, you can. So mm. it's, it's much easier to experience without having to perhaps belong to fanzines or whatever, um, or be copiously scribbling down notes at the end of an episode. Well, let's move on to, instead of the future Doctor, the past Doctor, the 10th Doctor, David Tennant, who plays D.I. Alex Hardy um, for three series. (laughs) Don't don't do your Scottish (laughs) I'm not commenting, I'm just not. (laughs) <laughs> Lindsay will hang up on us. <laughs> but anyway, he's, he it is sort of the uh, I mean the American equivalent of the hard scrabbled you know detective. But I mean you know the British equivalent. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. It, it it's an interesting role that of course there's more to it, and in series two especially tries to explore that even more. Um, but Jessica, what do you sort of think of Tenant bringing his Tenant talent to Broadchurch? <laughs> his Tenant talent. I like the fact that they let him use his own accent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's always fun. But by the way, can I just say how, and I don't know the history, because I started watching Doctor Who probably in his, um, sorry, I'm pressing wrong buttons here, um, in his actual run, like why they didn't let him use his own accent in Doctor Who, I just think is ridiculous. But anyway. Yeah. Well, they just I had a Northern Doctor, you know. Those folk down oh, south so get a little jealous. too much, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously the north of England um, and Scotland are exactly the same place. Uh, yes. <laughs> Obviously. Clearly. <laughs> It, it's all England. It's fine. No, it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I was just echoing our fearless leader. Mm. Uh, however, um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, no, I think, as you say, it's it's a bit of a trope, the grizzled, experienced guy coming in and with uh, Olivia Coleman's character, who's... By the book. Who's by the book, but is also a little bit wide-eyed in that there hasn't been a whole lot of crime in Broadchurch up to this point. Um but again, I think they also twist it because there's never romance, and and there's there would be romance in American at least. <laughs> well, it depends where you're reading your fanfic, but yeah, um, <laughs> a man and woman <laughs> friends that'll be the day. Yeah, um, but there's again, there's those beautiful twists. So again, he doesn't drink, he doesn't eat, he doesn't want the fast food, um, and again, he's almost more by the book than she is, um, yes. and again, it's just those little tweaks. Um, David Tennant, I think, is probably the best example of somebody who has managed a Doctor Who career while maintaining the rest of his work and still having a reputation for doing other things. So um, we'll not talk about the series of specials that never ended, but there was a reason for that. Um, And, you know, he, he was on stage, he was doing Shakespeare during, or at least very closely after he finished Doctor Who. So while this was a different role for him to see him in, it wasn't particularly surprising, at least not for me, because he'd managed to maintain that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he's had the most well-rounded career. And, of course, Matt Smith's just started. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. he may well get on out there. I mean, Eccleston, but, not that his career's oh, yeah. over, but by any means, of course. But he, I mean, Cocter, he was sort of like a, a cherry on the top of what he was already doing. It's not like he, you know. And he seems to have made a very clear decision that he wanted to move away from it when he did. I know he's he's been back recently and visited a con and it's very exciting. Um, yeah. But he did very much seem to draw a line and be like, that's a thing I did. And now I'm doing something else. Whereas, yeah, many so, other credits. so don't ask me about it. Don't. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't about interested my other in things. that kind of Doctor Who life that David Tennant seems to enjoy quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, of course, he married he into did. it, so he really doesn't <laughs> have a ways. choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, uh, Matt Smith is not as much of a stage actor, or hasn't been yet. And because he's so young, I, I suspect his career is going to be much fuller in the way that David Tennant's has been. So. Yeah, absolutely. And he he was he was very good in in The Crown as well. So again, he's he's yes. he's carving out a, a kind of different path for himself. Mm-hmm. Yes, and a very different role, I think. That was quite nice, yeah. just to get off topic just a little bit, you know. Not as challenging as Billy Smith. Piper's different kind of role, but yes, absolutely. Well, that's true. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, of course, Billy Piper goes straight to Diary of a Call Girl, yeah. <laughs> oh, the scandal. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> One hit wander to companion to prostitutes. Such, yep. <laughs> such is the life of a... Anyway, um, but, but good honor, yeah, good absolutely. Honor. But yeah, because I think with Ten- again, look, I mean, Tennant is talented, super talented. There's, you know, talking about it just seems silly because he is. But I, I think what we see here is the angry David. Or I mean, angry may be the wrong word, but but sort of that side of him. Because I mean, not that we didn't see the Tenth Doctor angry at times, but we sort of just have this sort of man who's sort of been crumpled up by life, but he's still trying to sort of keep on going, you know, and. And still, like you said, by the book, so he still has, you know, he's, he is a good um, DI, and, and he's dedicated to the job, but he sort of, like, feels beat up by what happened in his past. He's uh, we almost, find out more in series two. He's almost like the angst-ridden Doctor without the joy. Right. Yes. Like, yeah. Because you almost feel like that's always been behind the Doctor. It's just that the levity is on top of that. That, that youthful enthusiasm kind of rides him through more. And Alec Hardy is what you would get without that. <laughs> The PTSD yes. time ward. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 very much so. And I do like, in some ways, I like how he doesn't change. Like, despite finally deciding, <laughs> though I feel like series three, and I, this may be a reference only, I, I'll, but you, you may Lindsay, appreciate it. sort of the Worf problem in Star Trek movies of like, why is Worf there when he's supposed to be on Deep Space Nine? Yep. And sort of like in the third series, like, He's like, yep, I'm here at Broadchurch at the DI. Like, didn't you move on? No, you're here still? Okay. We're just going to brush it off. Like, nah, decide to stay for no apparent reason. I live here now. Yeah, exactly. And it's a beautiful example of the fact that somebody who is perhaps traditionally Scottishly grumpy, um, uh-huh. you know, even when you solve some of the problems, that doesn't necessarily change that. Um, and that yes. gruffness is something that we see a lot of here. I'm sure it, uh, you see it in other places too, but there's something very Scottish about that slightly gruff, grumpy man with a heart of gold tucked inside somewhere. Yes, absolutely. Because I, I don't know if they would do this in British dramas, but I feel like in American dramas, like at the end, he'd be like, he'd use her first name at the end or, or something. But no. Whereas we no. get, she's, <laughs> she says, do you want to go for a drink? We've never gone for a drink. And he's like, no. <laughs> that's not a thing we're going to do. But you kind of know that's that they might end beautiful. up in the pub somewhere along in the future. But it's that beautiful, yes. dry, your response is no. Like, yeah. that, it, again, it's just that beautifully Scottish. Yeah, yeah. And, and, Time and, will not change me. And her reaction is, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. So let's move on to a sort of... I don't know. I was almost going to say lesser role, but I think that's very insulting. But anyway, Arthur Darville. So Rory. Obviously. I, don't know, yeah. I, I hate I'm, I'm putting down his role as Rory, which I don't mean to. Rory Williams obviously was very much a part of Doctor Who. But apparently, Arthur Darville was the first person cast in Broadchurch. Chris is like, I'm not doing Broadchurch if I don't get our, you know. And like wrote the role for him and that well, sort of thing. He did Dinosaurs in a Spaceship, which is quite possibly one of the best episodes Certainly of that season, <laughs> possibly of Doctor Who ever, in my humble opinion. Um, and Arthur uh, is wonderful in that as well. So I wonder if maybe there's a, a kind of a, a kernel of, of commonality there. Um, mm. In Broadchurch, I think he plays it all very well. And he is, like I said, just one of those plethora of incredible people in the background who don't get a lot. They're not, you know, massive front runners, at, but you believe them and you have to believe in them in order for you to believe that they're a potential suspect or a potential victim or whatever Um, yeah with the playing the reverend paul coates you know you really don't want to be like yes it's the priest who killed the little kid you're like oh man no please (laughs) don't yeah is that any worse than thinking it was the slightly dodgy looking news agent you know (laughs) fair enough fair enough oh we'll get to him soon (laughs) arthur darville has this lovely guilelessness to him he's just a little bit floppy Mm -hmm. just a little bit clueless but not he just comes across sort of one degree down from a matt smith yeah a little bit he's a bit more real I think he looks like a guy yes. you would know. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure I may have dated him at one point while I was living in England. <laughs> just <laughs> you know, there's just no memory of it. But that's a great talent to have as an actor. I think it it allows you Definitely. to be in lots of things, playing lots of of interesting characters. Because as we've said, nothing is ever as what it seems, and there's always something going on underneath it all. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think that and that'll be interesting. Again, I, you know, I don't. Of course, it's all I do when I do podcasts. I was like, I don't want to be one of those people who complains about something. Because you know, I, I would think a lot of times with Doctor Who, whether it was Davies or whether it was Moffat, it would be sort of the, oh, this is what's going to happen this series. It's going to be it's gonna be big, guys. And sort of drip drop it all the way. It's fine if they do that again, I guess. But like with Chris, with, with, he's so the, the key of the subtle 
It doesn't have to be like, there's a crack in the wall in every episode, you know, or, you know, there's a whatever. And so it would be interesting if it's just something to mention. You're like, oh, no, that was there the whole time. Well, I think they've spoken quite a lot about this being a oh, little bit more episode right, yeah. yeah, or episodic. Um, mm. But yes, I think that wouldn't surprise me. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bit more kind of everyday stuff kind mm-hmm. of becoming <laughs> more important or building up to something or seeing a little bit more, you know, companions and doctor and the tardis just kind of kicking around and drinking tea mm-hmm. yeah yes which i would love yeah, i'm absolutely. all for that yeah. yeah i mean i see bradley walsh serving the tea um Bla- playing playing mother bradley walsh playing mother i'm not sure about that it's got to be rock paper scissors you've got to have some form of competition to see who has to go and make the tea it's a universal constant that nobody really wants to go that's true. Everybody sits around until they're all just completely parched because nobody wants to go make the tea. Uh, it's going to be the last one to sit down or the first one to uh-huh. say a particular word. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that uh, the Reverend Paul Coates was one of the storylines, and there were several, that I would have liked to have seen more of. Mm-hmm. You know, this this sort of build into his disillusionment in ser- Series 3. Um, I wanted to know more about yeah. the poor Reverend. Because we're, and I'm trying to remember, because he, he was, did he just get another job at another church? He was just like, all right, this, y'all don't need a church here. Because uh, y'all, you know, no one cares about me unless something Yeah, bad and happens. I don't even think he had gotten another job. I, th- I got the impression he was just off to try and figure it all out. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did... F- by season three, I struggled a little bit because I felt he needed a little bit more. I yes, yeah, I was. Mm. He was just the random counselor. I mean, that would not that's a bad role, but that was all he was. Yeah, and I think anyone who writes characters where you can believe there's more going on than you're seeing is great, and that gives you the scope for books or or spinoffs or whatever. Um, but you need enough to understand why they're making those decisions or at least have an inkling of thinking that you know why they're making those decisions. And I wasn't entirely sure um, yes. if we got that yeah. And I would have liked to have seen more of that. Yeah, especially because, I mean, I would say young, he's probably my age. But anyway, um, this, I have this sort of the young priest, you know, who probably came to this community, you know, I'm going to do my, my great stuff here. And then just sort of be like, oh, okay, well, people only come when someone gets murdered, which doesn't happen but once, you know, three years, apparently. Um, and so... One of the things about Broadchurch, though, is it is also a very poignant reflection of British society on a number of levels. Right. Um, and that's actually, it's very relevant, as in there's, there's churches all over this country that are closing down because we cannot keep them, because we cannot find the ministers. Um, we have a slightly different relationship to, to religion and to, to church than I think some, particularly some areas of America. Um, and while it is, we don't have the, the, the separation of church and state that you guys have, there are quite significant separations. Um, and a lot of the kind of traditions and things that have kept churches going in small towns are kind of drifting and changing. Um, so yeah, that is, it's just another one of those lovely things that he's woven into that that is very believable. That actually, he almost, yeah, he, he almost mirrors, and I'm, I can't remember characters' names. He almost mirrors the uh, journalist, mm. which also is disappearing. Also, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, she has to move. Was it London or where I forget where they were? But anyway, she had to either move up to the to the head office or move out. You know, mm. as far as the, the you know maintaining a news independent newspaper in Broadchurch. So yeah, and we I think we actually saw that when we were in uh, back in Guildford this past year, and uh, oh the church, yeah, yeah, we decided to go to the Anglican church, the Anglican church, and you know visit it, 
And it was a combination of Anglican, Lutheran, I think they had Methodist. The, I think the Catholics maybe. came once a week or something. Yeah, and then the, and then the, the Russian Orthodox was there once a week. Yeah. So it was like everybody crammed into this little tiny church and there were still only 20 people there, you know. And it was, I mean, interesting to me that, because you had, you know better than me, because the church we went to and then you had the other church. Yeah, yeah. And, and the bigger church to me, I mean, I know the, the church we went to was the older one, but to me the bigger one was closed on Sunday morning. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, like okay. they, they would alternate. Sometimes yep. they'd worship at this church and sometimes they'd worship at this one further down the high street. And Yeah, okay. so I think the church is having to, to be quite imaginative in order to try and and survive in this changing world and that's not necessarily a bad thing change is not always no. bad um no, people's faith has no. moved faith has moved on but it was just another Next thing, thing that Christian very carefully woven and that reflection of cur- current society not in like a massive in your face stampy kind of way but right. hopefully we'll see that too and, and i guess a good thing about well an interesting thing about broad church and i don't know not not being an, obviously an expert in british drama television drama but um not everyone necessarily gets the happy ending you know yeah. i mean it's you know Paul Coates, it's not a bad ending. It's just, you know, I'm moving on. Things aren't, you know, it's not just moving on. He's a young guy. Things it's, will happen to him. It's the ending that everybody experiences. Yeah. Yeah, and they're you not, know. it's not tied up with a bow. It's not finished. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So exactly. he can run his own independent spinoff series. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Reverend Paul Coates. Of course, I mean, it's yeah. interesting to watch Arthur's, because he's, again, pretty uh, relatively young guy. Um because now he's, you know, in America with Legends of Tomorrow, I don't know if that's even still running on CW, but, you know, he was a big part of that. So he. I'd kind of like to watch that because that feels like something completely different. With the DC universe here yeah. on, on the American television. So, But anyway, so I'd be interested to see what, what's coming from him, whether he's trying to stay here, whether he's going to go back to UK drama or, or what he does. So, hmm. All right. Well, we're going to go from we've talked about a future doctor to a past doctor to a kind of past doctor. And that's David Bradley, the, as my wife calls him, the third first doctor who plays uh, news agent uh, Jack Marshall in the first series, who actually does get quite a sad ending. Now, you you were all about his character and you were like, no, I was, I was, because again, that trope of, you know, the, the, the grumpy curmudgeon old news agent. Yeah. Yes. David Bradley played Argus Filch in the Harry Potter films. And I was kind of taken immediately back to that slightly unkempt slightly mm-hmm. unsettling figure um, on the periphery <laughs> but yes again he's a beautiful example of that awful trope of something awful happening or something horrible in society being uncovered and people wanting a scapegoat and people seeing somebody who it is easy to make a scapegoat and not being interested in the facts yeah and i think he does such a fantastic job of being grumpy and curmudgeony and unkempt as you said but still have it you know when this hits the fan this absolute bewilderment on his face that just i just because at the same time I he just, is this sort of mentor to, to children you know he runs the look whatever that it, i forget see cadets yeah Yes, yes, yeah. Um, sea cadets. I mean, so he's you know he's a member of the community. He's not just sort of like the old guy at the hill whose house you run by. Um, you know, he, he is a character, literally and figuratively, in the community. But he's a contributing part. And then, like you say, even though he's doing all these, or you know, one or two these good things that he's known for, 
when the when it comes out, then they just go to revert to his type. Oh well, look at him. I mean, obviously it's him. You know, yeah. No, he's the guy who's been teaching your kids for the past. Yeah. You know how many decades? Well, and he had that history, didn't yeah. he? He hooked up with a student or but a, it, a really it, young. But actually, girl it turned or, out not to be nearly as what it was trite as yeah. as it was originally thought. Yeah, and, I mean, instead of being a, instead of being like a pedo, he just married like someone who's really really young. Yeah. And he was, it was tragic, and his end is tragic, and I think that Chris Chibnall allows it to be that, and the nature Mm. of Broadchurch allows that to linger. It's not over in an episode. We've not moved on. It's The shape of the story in Broadchurch is so... It's not episodic in any way. Like you don't these these people don't come up and then they're then dismissed by the end of the episode, and that's another one of those great uh, great um, differentiation differentiators about it as well. Well, and it makes me wonder if Chris Chibnall is actually capable in his soul of doing episode. You know, we're we're gonna have those threads, I think, continuing, uh, but the depth. Um, of this character, I think, is is both a testament to David Bradley, who I think is brilliant, and also Chris Chibnall's writing of of giving him all of those lovely layers that I'm looking forward to seeing in uh, Bradley Walsh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and say, um, and David Bradley is one of these wonderful actors who has been around for a long time, just doing mm. what he does very well. Um, yes, and it's something that we're very lucky for. I think here, or lucky with here, is that we do have quite a big contingent of actors who you just see in things. They've been around forever. They do stage plays. They do murder mysteries. They do BBC's, you know, Agatha Christie specials. Like, and they're just very good. And I think, and I don't know if it's the size of Britain, although I suspect it may be to a certain extent, but also I think culturally, you have so many actors that you go, oh, I've seen him in so... I can't always remember what they are, but I've seen him repeatedly. But there's also not a whole lot of pretense. You know, I'm quite happy to do Shakespeare at the Globe and then go do something ridiculous yeah and we, panto and, or uh, something. yeah a panto <laughs> potentially maybe not quite that yeah far we, but, uh, <laughs> we were very lucky i think that we had some people who broke the mold and for sort of who set that up as a perfectly acceptable way to be um and interestingly mm. i think david tennant is one of a generation who has said no we're still going to do that you know he and benedict cumberbatch are still going to do shakespeare they are going to take six months and they're going to do this thing and then they're going to go back to do marvel or doctor who <laughs> yeah or, yeah and, and then they're going to do doctor strange yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely or or um Lordy. Jessica Jones. Yeah, Marvel, sorry. Jessica Jones. Yes, yeah. He was very oh, good yeah, in Jessica course. Jones. Um, but that's yes, it's something I think good. we still see here that most of our actors, while oh, what's it? Repertory Theatre has died, there is still very much a stage element to their training. And most of the people who make it into our screens have been through some form of theatre school. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily. This is a huge brush across the American uh, kind of school, but they haven't just rocked up looking attractive and said yeah, some lines. No. Yes. Um, no. And, and I say this over and over again, the, the, the trick behind having so many fantastic British actors on screen is that they've tread the boards, that they, that they're stage actors. And that to me, uh, that, that 
Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, and I know this is such a backhanded compliment, so send your letters and, and at me appropriately. But, like, <laughs> when I would watch British television, like, Torchwood, I'm like, they're not that great looking. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. like, you know, it's not, I'm used to America where it's like, everyone's pretty. And I'm like, they're just normal looking people. Well, and it's like the soap operas as well, you know, Cor- Coronation Street and Emmerdale and all of those things, you know, they're much more normal people. Whereas our soap operas are the rich and beautiful and young, perpetually young, and mm-hmm. yeah, you guys. I don't know that I would call them normal real. people, but yes, I see absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, it's not yeah. about what's, it's what's not the... about the famous, it's not about the beautiful, it's not about the moneyed, um, or at least traditionally. Are... Um, we we yes. now have our own. What's the soap opera that like, two kids TVs. are from? I think one of them's from Hollyoaks. I both was, of them I are. Was, are they both they were on different Hollyoaks? Times. Yeah. yeah, it's not something I've ever watched, but. Oh, no, I went through a phase where I watched Hollyoaks a lot. And then a friend of mine dated a guy who was an actor on Hollyoaks. So that was all very strange. And then I stopped watching it. So there you go. I was given the choice when I was a teenager of being allowed to watch the soaps or being allowed to watch Star Trek and Star Trek 1. She made the wise choice. Oh, yes. Yeah. And took her on a different path, I'm sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, let's finish up um, with one last person who had a a, a small, well, obviously a small role. But anyway, Eve Miles. I was going to say she's not Doctor Who. Of course she's Doctor Who. She was in an episode of Doctor Who. Who. Not only when she was playing her Torchwood character, but before she played her Torchwood character. Playing um, her Torchwood character's great-grandmother. Yeah, and with the Dickens like episode. Yeah. But of course, she was in the series two uh, playing Claire Ripley, which I think that was, a, in my opinion, that was sort of a storyline I was hard for me to get invested to because it was a weird It's a storyline that I don't remember very much. I... And I think part of it's because they weren't broad church people and so we weren't vested in them. I don't dislike the, the idea of Sandbrook and them trying to solve Sandbrook. I didn't really buy into the fact that he'd brought her and had her living in this house because I'm sitting there going, is he a secret millionaire? (laughs) (laughs) That was possibly the only thing that I was like, this really doesn't ring true for me. And given how true so much of the rest of it feels, that frustrated Mm -hmm. me. I'm not a great fan of Eve Miles. Um, I don't know that mm-hmm. she's, uh, I'm sure she's a lovely person, but her characters have rarely been ones that I've been particularly sympathetic to or particularly interested mm. in. And therefore, every time I kind of see her, I'm a bit like, oh, well, here we go. Um, <laughs> and unfortunately, this one kind of fell into that in that she wasn't a particularly pleasant person. Right. Yeah. But whether you could have done Sandbrook without that part of the storyline, I don't know. Because I feel like in, in, I mean, not that they were all guilty, but they were all guilty in that storyline, you know, almost, oh, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. you know, whereas at Broadchurch, it's like, you think everyone could be guilty, but only one person actually did it. Whereas Sandbrook's like, they, they all pretty much contributed to what happened. In- including Alec, Alec Hardy. Like, at the end of the mm-hmm. day, he was trying to do something that was nice, but actually, I don't know that it helped anybody in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, and in America, I think you'd have some legal issues. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that you wouldn't hear either. But we'll brush over that because I like that bit of the plot, so <laughs> I'm willing to forgive it. I really wanted to see more about the lawyer, the wonderful yeah, lawyer. I thought she would be back things. for season three, and the fact that she and I don't know whether it was an availability issue or yeah because her son was in jail and i thought oh that's where they're gonna go for the next oh you meant the other one. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. sorry no, i meant the other lawyer lady. Yeah. yes yeah i no. thought you meant the um i'm sorry i know she's a famous actress i can't remember her name but hermione hermione yes. um and then that's who, who's had the son in jail and then um of course the very i can't remember her name unfortunately very very i know 
great and talented actress, but I thought who was going to be back. She had the relationship with the with the journalist. Precisely. I, was like, I felt okay. like that was kind of brushed under the carpet. Yes. Uh, we kind of, yeah. like, and that was lovely. And it was, again, it was handled quite nicely. It wasn't, you know, this huge thing. It just kind of was part mm. of their story. They're both ladies. <gasps> shock horror. <laughs> shock, shock horror. I've been for a while. I, I was sad not to see that come back. And I think there are one or two things all the way through that you're kind of like, oh, well, I kind of hope it was because they couldn't get the actress as opposed to because he didn't think it was yeah. important. All right. Well, so I've f- sort of the final question for everyone here, based on, on what we've seen from Broadchurch, and we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but sort of putting a bow in it, unlike some storylines in Broadchurch, <laughs> what does all this, you think, mean for the next series with Christian? at the helm with Jodie Whittaker in the TARDIS and um, everyone else around her, including every man's Bradley Walsh. Um, so, Lindsay, what, what, do you, what are you thinking as, as a broad church fan for the next series? I am hoping for lots of really lovely ensemble pieces with lots of believable characters. Um, and, and then Bradley Walsh. Including Bradley Walsh, <laughs> um, who I get, he sets my hackles a little bit too. So, yes. Yes. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I think... Um, Lots of lovely pieces, lots of believable characters, lots of relevance. I think I, I mm. really want to see that. And I think that Jodie Whittaker, it, there's going to be a, a core of sort of steely strength in her, I think, um, which is what we love about the Doctor, that there is something hurt, like all of that joyousness. There is the hurt, no matter which one you look at, there is there is hurt and there is conviction right at the core. Um, so I'm hoping that we'll see that just, you know, in a female form. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I think um, I'm, I'm quite looking forward because after we finish talking about final thoughts, Lindsay and I are going to really spend some time talking about Jodie Whittaker's outfit. Because <laughs> um, obviously that's, that's the most that's important thing. That's what girls thing. do. Absolutely. And since we've got a girl, we've got to talk about what is she wearing? Clearly, clearly. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, but I will say in terms of her outfit, thinking about all of the doctors, her outfit has a, a more of a whimsical look to it, um, specifically in comparison to Peter Capaldi's, which was dark and velvet and broody. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, because I don't want that from her character. I don't want her just to be the whimsical... Um, a fourth, 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 yes, doctor, a fourth doctor kind of... Or an eleventh doctor. I have celery in my pocket kind of thing. <laughs> I, I want to see more steel from her. Yeah. Um, so I'm counting on the writers. And I think Chris Chibnall definitely has more of a dark and broody side. So uh, I'm counting on yeah. it being an interesting contrast. Yeah, you know, they'll do it however they'll do it, and I'm looking forward to it. But there is sort of a certain needle to, to thread for the... First woman doctor, you know, you can ignore it. You can talk you know, as far as the actual in the story, you know, how is it going to be handled? But I think given Chris Chibnall's Doctor Who history, even with Torchwood, I include that in the universe. Um, and then his independent with Broadchurch. I'm like, you know, this is a writer. He knows what he's doing. He'll figure it out. And he's worked with Jody, So he's obviously not going to do anything that's going to be weird for her. Yeah, so. I, th- I think fortunately we have enough from the writer, his as you say, his knowledge of Doctor Who, his knowledge of dark and broody other things, his knowledge of Jodie Whittaker, that it's actually going to be fantastic. And I'm so excited. I don't know where to put myself. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and, and and I feel like, and again, I don't know the man, but I feel like what he's trying to do is, as probably every new showrunner does, you know, in some ways hitting the reset button. This is a chance to, to not clear house in a, in a good way of, of like, all right, this is going to be something new, guys. And then we're going to bring in new audiences. If you haven't been watching, this is the time to watch. And then we're going to go episodic so it doesn't, you know, necessarily quote unquote turn any new viewers off. 
And then, but having looked at his past, he knows he's going to sneak in a larger thread, even though he may say it's episodic. And then what these characters are, um, yeah, I can't remember everyone's name. I think I know their real names more than I know. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're, Tazen, we're still working on that. We're Bradley. Gonna, we're going to put post-it uh, notes <laughs> up. And, uh, but again, you know, I think there's also a, a kind of confidence there that this isn't the only season he's going to do. Like, I think the fact right. that, you know, he's going, we're going to start out slowly. We're going to do some episodes, episodic. Um, and for all Stephen Moffat's talents, he didn't make it easy to jump in. Right. Yes. So I, I yeah. absolutely if, think that If you don't know who River Song is, you're going to be confused. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's nothing against your character. Right? Oh, please, we need to get please, River Song please. back. Uh, wouldn't that be the most fantastic pairing? Yes. Also, the most question to us, does the 10 episodes include or exclude the Christmas special? I'm kind of hoping it excludes uh, it, but you never know. I would think yeah, so. Yeah, so we get one more. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, Clearly. we'll find out. Whenever it airs in fall of this year. <laughs> Don't even. Don't even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no well, knowledge Lindsay, of thanks. when that is. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, that's true. You guys are completely perplexed. We at least know a general idea, but you guys are like, what is this fall he keeps speaking say, of? To be fair, I think we've probably then, got autumn on our stuff, but there's so much of uh, yeah, oh, the American... Okay. <laughs> Well, we woke up this morning and we had sort of uh, English uh, weather with the clouds. And I'm like, I think they're melting over there where they are in, in uh, the UK. Yes, and we've got your... That would be what we oh, Yes. <laughs> Bless your hearts. We've been thinking of you. <laughs> We're not built for it. I've got... Yeah. All right, Lindsay. Well, thank you for joining us to talk Broadchurch. Thank you for having Have me. Have a fantastic time at the Fringe. And if people want to talk to you about Broadchurch or Doctor Who, where can they reach you on the interwebs? Uh, they can find me at... L-H-A underscore again. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for that. We will be going deep into the library of the TARDIS. Excellent. All right. For this one, we're actually going to revisit a 10th Doctor episode because we're going to be talking about Chris Chibnall's First entry as a writer into the Doctor Who universe. Hooray! And so, which episode are we looking at, darling? We are looking at 47. Wow. Which debuted on the 19th of May, 2007. Would you care to give us a quick synopsis? It is all I wait for. So, from TARDIS.Wikia, The 10th Doctor and Martha follow a distress signal only to be trapped on a spaceship hurtling toward a sun and cut off from the TARDIS. With only 42 minutes left till impact, can they save the day? Also, something else is on the ship, and it wants everyone to burn. Burn with me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I thought this was interesting doing quick research, because I remember this episode certainly, but I never thought about it, that it's... Perhaps one of the only real-time episodes. You know, it's 47 minutes because a episode of Doctor Who is typically 47 minutes long. And so sort of going for that sort of 24 vibe. Yes, um, absolutely. Everything's happening in real time, which gives it a really lovely uh, sense of urgency. Also let you know how much time's left in the episode. Yes. You're like, oh, okay, 30 yeah. minutes left. Yeah. Are we done yet? <laughs> no, no, we still have. Okay, okay. carry on. Yeah. <laughs> I also do like how... And not the doctor hasn't done this before, but I do like it's sort of in the middle of the crisis. It's not like, oh, we meet some people. Oh, then we then find they out. randomly have a crisis. Yeah, but it's like in the middle of it. And which, you know, has happened. So I do like that. You sort of action from the get-go. And you sort of have to catch up with everything. But, uh, but based on sort of everything we talked about with Broadchurch and everything else, 
anything you thought was very uniquely Chris Chibnall? Um, it's dark, right? In a way that Broad Church sort of is. Um, no, mostly everyone dies, and mostly everyone dies, which is not necessarily like Broad Church, but yeah, a lot of people die in this one. A lot of intensity, which I do think we get in Broad Church. It's one of those that's a little bit sci-fi for me, so I'm hoping that's not necessarily indicative, um, <laughs> because as I've said before, I prefer the the slightly more fantasy. I like the the fun monsters, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> and I think a challenge to this is that oftentimes, you know, this is not an unusual Doctor Who scenario, you know, group happen upon this group, there's a crisis, blah, 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 Doctor has to fix it, of course. You know, companion splits up, you know, it's, it's sort of the, the Doctor Who trope uh, story building kit. But I think one thing that Chris does well is that with all these characters, it's very easy just to make them one note and then they die and then who gives them whatever. But each of them, even if they only have a note or two, there is some meaning to these characters. So you do have, if they do die, you do have some, oh, okay. You know, man, that was pretty sad. It wasn't just random, you know, engineer number two from the left dies. It yes. Was like, okay, that one. Uh, like the captain of the ship who um, is, is quite three-dimensional, I think, and but it's her husband who is first taken over by the sun, and it's never just an, okay, he's gone, we have to do what we have to do. She loves him all the way to the end, ultimately sacrificing both of them as they free fall into the sun. Yeah, I mean, creating this sort of relationships obviously can create conflict, or at least story conflict, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the wife mourning the possessed husband trying to save him, or even the little stuff, like the the young lady engineer who, like, grumbles like, oh, tell me what to do with the tools. Uh, you know? I have to fetch the drinks. Just kill me now. And then Oops. she gets, yeah, killed. <laughs> um, and even the, the doctor, or the, the 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 human doctor, you know, she doesn't actually last that long. I think she's actually the first to, to die in the episode. Mm. But, I mean, even then, you're like, oh, man, that's bad that she died. You know, it wasn't yeah. just like, eh, who cares? Yeah, it, she's she's very, in, you know. She said something smart, I think. And the doctor's like, oh, you're good. You yeah, know? and she's trying to get the inference. These, these readings are really concerned. To me, yeah, there's something about her that makes her three dimensional. And so I think when you only have 47 minutes to tell a story and you have all these characters, so like, you know, imagine with the new series when you have three companions, mm. plus, you know, if they meet a group that's that size, it's going to be pretty hard to give everyone something and the doctor to have something to do. But I think Chris shows um, that he can juggle characters. Yes, and juggle the scenarios. I mean, there are, there's so much that happens. People are split up in different directions, you know. The doctor's doing one thing, the some of the crew is doing another thing, and Martha and that cute guy are doing something else, and there's there's a lot going on. And then you have the Martha mother And the Martha mother thing, yes, which is then leading us into Saxon, yes. So all of those things without getting muddied. Right. Um, and people switch jobs, you know, once Martha and, and the cute guy are... Um, done doing pub trivia. Done doing pub <laughs> trivia. So the other, two others have to come in and do the pub trivia. And, you know, and there are still moments of lightness because the pub trivia is, is interesting. And 
and back and forth, you know, Elvis or the Beatles and uh, favorite colors and things like that. So there is some levity there as well. And it just packs a lot into those 47 minutes, which is exciting. Yeah. Because I think even when, when Martha and the cute guy get trapped, like watching this episode, it seems long. And that's not necessarily a critique because it almost feels like a two-parter in one. Mm. Because I almost feel like, you know, when Martha and the cute guy get jettisoned from the ship, it's almost like it would be like, yeah, next week, you know, yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, but it's not. It's only like halfway through the episode or maybe three quarters. But, and so the moment with them when they're, when they're hurling towards the sun, well, I guess hurling is there, but going actually very slowly. But anyway, giving him the moment, giving defining his character a little bit, you know, that he doesn't have necessarily one to go home to and blah, blah, blah. And, and so he has this sort of little relationship with Martha at the end. It's, you know, not much, but it's there. And so, you know, it's just not just the random people we say, yeah, yeah, people that, that we remember after the episode is over, mm-hmm. even if we don't know their names. <laughs> right, yeah. So anyway. you and I don't learn names. Well, yeah, we're just bad at that anyway. Yeah. I still don't know the new character's name. So. I assume that you're still called Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, darling. So uh, what do you want to talk about next week? I thought next week we'd get into a little bit of sports ball. Okay, this doesn't sound like us. <laughs> I know. I know. But I was thinking perhaps we would rank the doctors and we would not just do it on personal preference, but try and do it as subjective as possible. You know, looking at how many episodes they're in, um, how they're received, how many seasons it goes, those sorts of ideas, uh, how many times they reappear um, for instance, in movies and things like that, and see if we can get a definitive list together, or possibly two definitive lists. I will say, I can't think we'll we um, can both, both do it and see how we compare. Yeah, and, and how their storylines are, you know, some of the best storylines are with this doctor, those sorts of things. So I'm thinking we're going to apply science and sports ball to Doctor Who. Well, until next week, darling... You're my favorite multi-character person in all of time and space. I have no idea what that means, baby. Television. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.